You got you got fans everywhere. You got people texting me to yeah, tell you about right. stuff that you wrote. Nobody texts me <laughs> to tell me that they like something I wrote, but they'll tell me that you you know tell Dave. Like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, it's hard being famous. <laughs> nice, nicely done. <laughs> CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for the game of sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 5th. Um, not exactly the place, <laughs> at least two of us on this podcast, expected the Cavaliers to be uh, at this point in the season, coming off of a 38-17 to uh, loss in Durham last weekend. And frankly, I mean, you could almost argue that it wasn't even as close as that score would indicate. We will talk about that loss. We will also preview um, Saturday's game with Louisville in a in a, in a matchup that, frankly, if Virginia doesn't win, uh, it's going to be a really rough uh, bye week around these parts. So if that's not the kind of um, excitement that you want to get fired up for on 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 your day on, on this podcast. Hey, I'm, I, I'm, I apologize, but that's what we, that's what, that's what we got to sell. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody first up in, uh, Fishersville, but, uh, podcast. Oh, wow. Board moderator du jour. David Spence is on the program. How's it going, my friend? Wish I could edit that. <laughs> no, <good>. <laughs> uh, who days on the board at who days on Twitter. Don't have much good to say tonight. It yeah, was, clearly we got to get, we got to get to business. This, yeah, this week is important. We got to get to business. <laughs> Um, up in Charlottesville, editor-in-chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? You know, not too bad. Um, I had to go out in public to watch the game on Saturday night. It was, a, a, for, it was a forgettable experience at a, an establishment that I will not name. Um, was it yeah. Trinity? No, it was not. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> wow. At, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner Ross on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the kinds of items, and the occasional witty banter. That's the uh, Patreon that we always joke about. You know, the Cavs Corner podcast after dark. Um, you gotta pay, you gotta pay extra for the, to find out where Ferber went on Saturday night. All right, well, you know where you know where most of us didn't go anywhere good because that I was gonna was, say it kind of probably would have been bad anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you could have been anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. Um, all right, thirty-eight seventeen. They were down twenty-one to nothing uh, with ten twenty-five to go in the second quarter. Um, now, granted, they did put together a nice little ten-play, eighty-three-yard scoring drive to to cut that to twenty-one-seven. Um, but I, I, I guess I, I never really felt like Virginia was really in the fight, so to speak. I mean, this thing was kind of over before it got started. Um, Cavaliers had ninety-three rushing yards. They had two hundred two passing yards for. For those of you who don't do math, that's 295 yards of total offense. Um, 4.8 yards per play on average across their 62 plays. Um, I mean, look, there's not a whole lot of fun in here. Um, they're 8 of 14 on third down. Duke, ironically, 5 of 13, but the Blue Devils didn't really necessarily need them. 
they racked up 377 yards of total offense. Um, I was so confused, by the way, when I got to the eight for 14 on third down. I was like, how did that happen? Yeah. It like well, doesn't line up with any of the other stats. Yeah, it's really funny, right? It's like if it's like the only thing in the list that like looks like even remotely good, and then you're like, oh, that's what happened. They got a bunch of third downs and then did something stupid. Um, and I guess we got to get into like sort of the the ins and outs of doing something stupid. I'm not going to get too hung up on the whole like um, you beat a team, you know, you beat the the breaks off somebody one year and then you lose to them the next. I do think that there's some interesting contrasts here given the parallels between the two programs in terms of where they are right now, um, your first year head coaches coming off of coaching changes. I think the thing that people need to be mindful of and probably the thing that I, in hindsight did not give enough credence to um, it's one thing to be at a place like Duke where guys were fed up with losing. Somebody comes in with a new vision and they're all about it. Right. It's no surprise in those situations when, when a team gets a nice bump, right? Um, because I think it's fair to say that Duke had a lot more talent um, than maybe we saw the last couple of years, and that's why coaches get fired, man, right? Um, because they're not doing enough with what they got, and they're not getting enough to come in and, and, and play them as it is. Virginia's in a different situation, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not making excuses. I'm giving you reasons why, and I think ultimately the biggest reason why this thing is not working so far um, is because nothing seems to fit. And I think part of the reason it doesn't fit is because you do have this weird sort of, as we've talked about before, right? You had a bunch of guys who um, have experience in another system and another culture and everything. And instead of it being so broken that it had to be replaced, it was kind of, it was just fine. And there's been some, some culture shock from coaches who want to come, you know, typically coaches come in after the thing's broken. And in some ways this thing wasn't broken. Uh, Dave, how has this loss sat with you in the days since? Are you a you know UVA should never lose to Duke sort of person, um, and and how has it been you know after you, you had a chance to rewatch it? I think should never is strong, but should rarely. Um, and I guess this qualifies as rarely. It's just the year it happens always sucks. I think what 2014 was the last time prior to this. Um, so it wasn't like a long time ago. Um, yeah. And in that stretch that they had lost like six in a row or something that to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know, Virginia's had Duke's number, um, you know, and look, Duke wasn't a terrible team last year and they weren't at 48 to nothing against the 2021 Virginia squad bad, but they were that day. Um, and I don't think Virginia's 38 to 17 worse than the Duke team this year, but they were on Saturday and that's all that matters. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, outside of the elite teams, there's a bunch of teams with similar levels of talent and it comes down to execution and, and buy-in and, you know, 11 guys doing their job, all that cliche stuff. That's what football comes down to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, despite how easily kind of, you know, easy Duke made it look at Tom's on Saturday, Virginia had plenty of chances to get in that game. Um, and, you know, and make it a game, and who knows what happens at that point. You know, what the, the struggle Virginia's had this year is in the road games, they've either dug themselves a hole. Um, all, all three, they've dug themselves a hole, actually. And, you know, once that offense has a comfortable lead, it becomes hard to play defense against them. You know, they can do anything they want, and that's what you saw with Duke, and then you add a mobile quarterback to that equation like we had with um, Syracuse and, and Duke makes it a little more difficult. So 
like, I, I, it feels like we're saying the same thing week after week during this. Anyway, any time Virginia's played on the road this year. Um, at times it feels like they're close to figuring it out. At other times it feels like it's never going to happen, and it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, and I don't know when it will happen, but I feel like it, it's nothing drastically wrong. Um, Duke played a good game Saturday. And, and Virginia didn't. And that's what it boils down to. You know, you can't – all those games Virginia beat Duke, Virginia turned them over, what, probably an average of three or four times a game for the past four years. And it's been – I think Virginia lost uh, two nothing in the – two turnovers and none, and that doesn't even count the block punt. So just a good night for Duke and a, a bad night for Virginia. And honestly, and you guys can chime in on this, I don't like to criticize single calls in a game. Um but I felt like the decision to have Brennan like do that punt, yeah. you know, the little quick kick kind of set the wrong tone for me. Yeah. Now, if the defense had come out and stuck, you know, stuffed Duke and got the ball back, that's one thing, but they didn't. And at that point, it felt like, uh oh, um, and maybe that's just a pessimist view, but to me, that just wasn't the right tone to start on the road. All right. Ferber, I'm going to come back to you in a second. But this has been stuck in my craw ever since. And anybody who follows me uh, on Twitter understands where where my um, where where my disdain is about to come from. Okay, now listen. It's a fourth and three at the opposite thirty nine yard line. Okay. Now I understand the the thought process here. Defense had done had done well. Okay, cool. You feel like you want to get into a, a field position game. I I don't agree with that, but I understand it. Okay, but to me, and this is something that is that has frustrated me for several weeks now. Tony Elliott got up there, I believe it was after the ODU game, and said, "Like this is a different group. Like they respond to aggression, right?" And I, it's the first this 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 play call that that Dave is referencing here, and I love the fact that you brought this up and it wasn't me. Um, this play call is one of the fir- one of the real like crystallized examples of what I think could be a, a real problem and I understand we're you know five games okay I'm not like throwing the baby out with the bathwater here I'm just being real like we've we've heard Tony Elliott referred to as a very like cerebral sort of methodical person and I don't have any problem with that but I think that you have to be able to look at your team and understand them right um and he he has said before as I mentioned that you know this team responds to aggression and I think that that call and having Brennan do the punt right I don't know the dynamics of what went into the call itself. I don't know if that's a, you know, they were looking, they had a play call on, it wasn't the right look, so they punt, they quick punted it um, because they thought it was going to get stuffed or whatever. I just think that if you didn't go into the into the third down at that spot expecting that you were going to go for it, that was the problem, right? So it's fourth and three at the thirty nine yard line, um, and they don't, and they decide not to go. From there on, Duke goes six plays, 87 yards, and 215 to take a 7 to nothing lead on that touchdown pass uh, to the Calhoun kid. Um, I'm a big, as I, as I put it on Twitter, I'm, not, I'm a big believer that no game is really quote-unquote decided by one play, but to Dave's point, the tone was certainly set, and I think that that flipped a switch. Again, I know it was early in the game, and I understand that you know, these are supposed to be resilient teenagers and young guys and all this stuff. But like, man, I was dejected. Like for me, like it, it took the wind out of my sails and I can't imagine if I was out there, it just felt like to me that, um, 
it just it just felt like to me that in the big scheme of things to 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 do that to give up or to basically gain what 20 25 yards or something in field position like it just didn't especially because they had converted a pair of third downs on that same drive right they picked up 8 yards on a third and one they picked up seven on a third and five i didn't see any reason not to try to get three um on third and fourth down um and i think the quick punt was just a uh, man, it was really hard for me to process and still is like, you know, I, I, I just, I can't, I, my mind, I can't process that that was what the decision was made, especially given the situation. Like you want it, you, you know, it seems like the staff wants guys to play aggressively. They want guys to make plays, but then they do something like this where it just feels like you're playing a different game than these guys want to play. And either you want to lead the team that you have or you don't. Right. And he understands that like these dudes respond to aggression. I would much rather see them go out trying to win a game than kicking the ball and trying to put themselves in a better position not to lose it. And that's the way that play felt to me. Ferber, uh, talk to me about sort of your thoughts either on that play specifically, the big picture. Um, I mean, you you certainly laid it all out there in the take two, I think. Um, but what's what's your feeling been like since this thing went down? Yeah, I mean, the further I got away from the game, the weirder I felt about that individual play. Um, at the time, I kind of understood it because I think, like, well, it was pouring down rain at that time. Um, and I was like, okay, like, I see what they're trying to do. They're probably trying to see if they can get them off sides and then punt, but it didn't really feel like they sold anything before punting. I guess they just didn't get the look they wanted or whatever. But honestly, I'm far more concerned with other things I saw than that, like the penalties on the subsequent drive. <laughs> um you know, you have 87 yards to defend and, and you give up, uh, what was it, like 45 on mm-hmm. penalties or whatever mm-hmm. it was on one drive or 30? Um, I think it was 30. It was two 15-yarders. Yeah, I mean, that's just – and one of them was <laughs> – I mean, like, hands to the face, clearly there's, like, a technique issue. That there's, yeah, there's something caught. There's something that, that, somebody, that Ben thinks he can do that he can't do. Right, but the, the Falmui one was unacceptable. Like, that kind of stuff is stuff that you just can't do. And it's easy to point the finger at him. And obviously, like, you know, you can take some accountability as a player. Like, obviously. My concern more than anything right now is you have a coach and coaching staff who rightly want their guys to play clean football, sound, do things the way that they want them to do them, whatever. Um, You know, play between the whistles, all that's the good things we've heard. But those things are not happening. So what's the problem? Like where, and this is what I wrote in the take two, there's some sort of issue and there's no way I can't, there's no way you can like diagnose this problem and point the finger. Um, There's just an issue with buy-in like, you know, either they're the players don't feel like they believe in the schemes on offense a lot of the times, or, you know, and, and this is verified by things that Tony Elliott has said publicly. So like, I'm not just making stuff up here. You have guys that maybe aren't as quick to buy in or like they're trying to do it their own way. Or, you know, they feel like their way is better or they don't understand where they're supposed to be or like there's just a hesitancy because you don't believe in what you're doing or whatever. And, you know, then special teams, you know, that's been more of like a just like errors and maybe there's some coaching things that need to be cleaned up there. Um, But, you know, like the focus on ball security, all that stuff. And then all the stuff that was brought up this week about guys, you know, maybe kind of like half assing it through warmups and just kind of like a lack of focus. Um I completely applaud and understand the 
acknowledgement of that and the fact that it needs to change, but it doesn't charge. It does that change does not start with the players. It starts with the coach. Like if you, if guys aren't believing in what you're doing on offense, like, why is that? Like, how do you get them to buy in? That's your job. Players don't get paid. You do. So like you have to figure out a way to get them to believe and get them to buy in and give them something to believe in and hold on to. And I'm not saying this from a, like a place of like, it's not going to work out. I'm just saying like, that's where they are right now through five games. You know, we talk about Duke, Dave, I will disagree hard. Duke was terrible last year. They lost, they were three and nine and they got blown out a lot and they look like a team that's way better than, than they should be or where they were. And if nothing else, they've improved and they're buying it. It's a different group of players. And again, I'm not putting all this on the coaches because maybe there are some players that are just like they feel like they've I think if, if there are players that feel like they've succeeded, like and and they they're above reproach from coaches or whatever it is, like that's wrong because you've gone 500 two years in a row. So like it's like, you know, those that ACC title game is in the rear view. Like that was a long time ago now. Yeah. Um. So I'm not going to sit here and say like the players are right in this case completely. I do think though that there's there's something that's not quite right with like the if they if you're having buy-in issues and all these things like what what's going on with that because you know you talk about like fighting in practice and stuff like that. Broncos teams weren't like always absolutely disciplined across the board, but I don't remember them getting a bunch of stupid penalties after the whistle. So like if you're trying to cut that out so players don't do it in the game, why is that stuff happening more often now than it was before? You know what I mean? So, like, they just have some things that they need to work on in that regard, and it sounds like from what we heard on Tuesday that they're trying to sort of, like, I don't even want to say it like this, but it's like they're trying to mend fences, and it's like I don't understand why it would have to be so adversarial. Like, even when Bronco came in, and I understand UVA was not doing well before he got here, you had guys that left, but you had a lot of guys that were, like, trying and failing to do what he wanted but it wasn't i never felt like i was watching a team that like didn't believe or whatever you know and right now i feel like i'm watching a team that they want to do well but it feels like they don't they're not trusting what they're doing and like whatever's happening is like not sinking in yeah i think it's i think it's fair for us if we're going to talk about this to say on the one hand that like i've always i guess i'm always been real sensitive to the idea of like we can't know how hard a guy is or isn't trying. I think that's one of those things that's tough to, to quantify. You can't quantify trying. Right, exactly. So I, I don't want to get into a place where like guys aren't trying because I, I see that all and I, it just it burnt. I don't. I don't think that's the problem at all. No, I know, but I do think that it's fair to look at what we've seen and say these guys. It looks like to it looks like from the outside the dudes are just not on the same page. And that if you get this deep into the season and dudes aren't on the same page, it's beyond just they're not doing it. There's a there is something broken in that sort of delivery system. I mean, you get to the you know players only you know closed door meeting portion of your season and it's not going well, right? Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the idea of like you know fans and the way that fans are sort of struggling with sort of the for lack of a better description, the afterbirth of a coaching change when everything wasn't broken. I think there's just this natural sort of thing. Like if you, if you look down the road in Blacksburg, right, even though things are going poorly there, right. A lot of, a lot of fans are, are, you know, are crying in their beer, but some of them are also like, Hey, this is on the previous staff. 
well, nobody can do that right now because the previous staff was in a, you know, even if the record didn't necessarily reflect it, the offense wasn't broken. Yeah, if the offense was good this year or like a little bit worse, but the defense sucked, I'd be like, well, like the, they're just trying to pick up the pieces. Exactly. And that changes. And, and like, I think that's normal, right? I think that's totally natural. What's weird about this whole thing is how easy, how, how, like, even if the, even if the defense didn't have as good a day um, in Durham as it has had the rest of the season, right? But those dudes have, have clearly shown improvement. And it's funny how, like, even when you don't, like, winning cures all, right? But you know what else really helps? Improvement. Like, when you can see improvement from game to game or season to season, like, it, it helps every, it helps the medicine go down, right? And what's really sh- strange about this is that on the one hand, you've got a, you've got a defensive staff that clearly knows what it's doing, that clearly has guys playing in a better, um, you know, it has guys in, in, in a better position to make the plays has a good grasp on like what the talent level is like and being able to put it together. Um, primarily what you could really argue right now is that Virginia's defense would be so much better if it's offense wasn't such, you know, um, a, a cluster right now. Right. And at the same time, I don't feel like in the, you know, in the kind of conversation and use it, you know, you couldn't see the, cause it's a, it's an audio podcast. So you couldn't see me do the air quotes, but in the conversation that sort of surrounds this team, I don't see folks really giving the defense it's due. What all, all folks can really see is the, is the complete inept offense. And Ferber did a great job. I think of breaking down the numbers on this and like how bad it really is. If you look at it in contrast, um, I, I think that as we, as we move forward, Dave, it's, it's hard to look at this game like to look at a game like the one Virginia just played and not come away thinking like some real fundamental something is wrong. Now, whether that fundamental something is the system that the the staff wants to run is not like the system these guys want to run. Okay, that's problematic in and of itself. But like these are talented dudes. These are guys who have skill sets that should that you should be able to to make work doesn't necessarily mean they have to run everything that the Virginia ran last year. Um, but it certainly means that on some level, there's more that you could get from them. I guess I want to, I want to ask this question in a way that makes both make sense. And is also fair to those who we're talking about. Um, do you think that this thing can be, can be put back together or is it irrevocable? Wow. Blah, blah, blah. Irrevocably is it broken. Is it is it bad? <laughs> right. I mean, do you get the sense? Like, do you genuinely think that there's a chance, not whether it's this weekend or some point this season, that the thing is going to get back on track? Because I mean, we there's a lot of this like back on track language, right? Virginia trying to get it back on track. I mean, I've I've written it like three different places in the last three days. Um, do you think that's possible? Or no, no, not possible. I mean, Let me rephrase. Do you think it's likely? No, I don't think it's likely. I mean, you've played five games now um, against lesser competition than you're about to face. So not impossible. Just, I mean, I don't think you're going to see significant improvement. I think some improvement is possible. And it all gets back to what Justin was talking about with buy-in. I think, you know, defensively, I think buy-in's been fine. You know, there's, we talk about penalties. It's been, I don't want to call out a single player, but it's been one player, right? Um, who's done most of it, the Ben Smiley stuff with the hands of the face, that just happens. Like, he's trying, he's fighting hard. That's a technique thing. He hasn't played a lot. Um, but it makes sense that the defense would buy in because essentially 
you've got a lot of guys who weren't didn't play last year who are part of that defense and they didn't taste success. And offensively, we keep talking about buy-in, right? But what five offensive linemen and all the running backs played none last year, you know, none, you know, to speak of. So it should not be hard for them to buy in. So that kind of gets back to, well, why aren't the big guy, you know, why aren't the stars buying it? Um, and look, it, it, it seemed like, I mean, I'll tell you watching the game live. I didn't think Brennan had a good game on the rewatch. Like, yeah, he probably had his best game of the year. Um, just it was so clunky and everything was clunky. So I've been kind of, I, mean, I wrote about it a little bit in, in the piece this week, but you know, what it comes down to is if you execute the play as called properly, it should work. It doesn't matter if it's a great play. There's no play you're calling to get zero yards. Um, you know, a run play and a third and 20 should at least get you a few yards. Even if it's a bad play, it should get a, some result. Um, so I think at some time like, it comes down to the players. Like you can argue about calls here or there, but execute the play when you're, when you're battle and the team just hasn't done that enough. And, you know, I think it, it sounds like coach speak to say of one of 11 doesn't do their job, but if one of 11 doesn't do their job, it doesn't work. Um, you know, and I do, I don't know if we'll get into this more on the bye week and, um, I can't remember who else might've been you for where I was texting about it, but I went back and I've been spending some time like looking at last year's offense, just kind of like someone, I'll tell you, some of it is trying to have ammo and stuff gets thrown at me either here in the pod or in conversation about this year's offense versus last year's. There are a lot of plays from last year. If I drew them up and just showed them to you, you would think it's this year's offense. They're not that much different. Um, you know, in some of the, in some of the concepts, but last year they worked a lot different and in defense of the coaching staff and the current players, this one, maybe this would be a little bit of a hot take, but obviously we missed the offensive line tap, you know, not just the, the experience they had, but the trust that Brennan had in them, but man, do we miss Rashawn Henry and um, Jelani Woods, like, I think they were as big a part of what that offense did and no offense to Brennan, but those two guys opened up the field in a way that you don't didn't really appreciate at the time until you go watch similar route concepts run this year without those guys on the field. Yeah. Henry was a guy that like, I don't think gets enough credit for just taking the top off the defense, even when he wasn't catching the ball. Um, yeah, and if they didn't, that's go why he only him, caught he touchdowns for like the first 10 catches or whatever he had. It felt like, um, and I think like, just to clarify, I think, and I, I think you, Dave, you're trying to say the same thing I am when we say buy-in, we don't mean like trying, we mean like they don't, it doesn't look like they are like playing with focus if, if that makes sense or whatever. Like, it's yeah. like, they're, they're not like, uh, you know, like they talk a lot about playing fast. A lot of that is like knowing where you're supposed to be and like believing that that's where you're supposed to, you know, you're not tiptoeing around. It feels like on offense, they're just tiptoeing around, um, and everybody's like, oh, hope I don't make a mistake. Like, you know, this hope this play goes. And then that just leads to you kind of making mistakes. It's like when they say like people got, guys get hurt, like when they try to play not to get hurt, you know, because it's like your your body is just doing weird stuff. And it feels like on offense, they're just searching, you know, it's like they're just hoping like, oh, maybe this will be what turns it around. And it just they can't. 
the biggest problem they've had, I think, is stringing multiple good plays together um, or hitting a big play that you don't have to do that anymore, right? Like, yeah, they're just – there haven't been – how many plays have you seen? And, and I'm sure I could just go pull the numbers because I did it the other day. How many big – how many plays have we seen where a guy catches the ball in the middle of the field and has space to run and picks up, like, 15 more yards? We like saw that, two Saturday That's just night, not happening. the first time we've seen yeah. it forever. Yeah, Wicks had the one where he made a nice move on the guy. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. KT picked up like twenty-one on a third and eighteen. Yeah. Um. So like that's cool, thing. but like there's plays have been few and far between. Yeah. Even the longer throws have been thrown, caught, and tackled. Like you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like where where the guy catches the ball. Um, it also, so seems they, to be a lot. I mean, when they're close to hitting the deep deep balls, the other team is just tackling our guys now mm-hmm. because they know we can't pick it up in succession. Give up fifteen instead of fifty. Yeah. I think I think for me to to Ferber's point there, like it's not just that you know they're do, they're it's like do, do you know like if you're watching like um if you're watching swimming in the Olympics right and some some swimmer is supposed to be on some sort of you know um, world record pace or whatever right and they show you like the ghost version right of the of yeah. the swimmer who did that and they and the, as you as they start to slip away and slip away and slip away you can kind of watch the ghost version really pull pull off. and you realize that like every little mistake it, every little bit of time that you lose is compound your 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 distance from that that ghost swimmer right is compounded because not only did you lose but then you didn't keep pace right and I feel like what we've seen with this offense, if you compare it to last year, it's like not only are they not doing what they need to be doing, but they're also, since they're not doing what they need to be doing, they're not getting the sort of like um, rhythm of it all, right? So every, not only are they not having the production, but everything's disjointed, which requires, which, which which is what kills their production from even getting back to where it should be, right? What you had last year is you had guys who were in a rhythm, you know, Wicks and, and Armstrong were in a in a really good spot. Thompson was kind of perfect. To Dave's point earlier, I thought, you know, Henry and, and Woods, they were they were everything sort of just clicked, but then it kept clicking. And there was a there was a um a, a boost that they that the offense got from the fact that they were clicking. Not just that they were being productive, but that they were clicking. And I feel like right now it's like not only are they trying to sort of catch the pace and pull themselves back. Right, but they're having to undo weeks and weeks of not clicking, and that's one of the reasons why I asked the question. Because, like, I think it's incredibly difficult for for a team to just sort of all of a sudden right the ship. And we've talked, you know, a lot on this podcast these last few weeks. I've written about it. I mean, it's it's certainly you know not a, a surprise. This idea that like the team sort of stands in this weird precipice, right? There's, there's like. Anything could happen, right? Today's point earlier is like it, it, it sometimes doesn't feel like they're that far away. But then you look at the numbers and you're like, man, y'all are really far away. Um, and what's sad yeah, They're pretty about far it, away. I mean, yeah, exactly. their productivity has dropped by half pretty right. much. And it's like when you, when you watch them on a play-by-play basis, you can see just the little things that aren't getting done, right? You can see the, you know, the wrong time for a penalty or the wrong time for a drop or you know, a ball that's just slightly behind or slightly too far ahead or slightly too high. Um, you know, you can see a lot of these little things that sort of are bouncing off of each other and causing ripples through what should be what we all expected to be a productive offense. Um, yeah. I, I think the and, thing that we didn't, I think the one real quick, I think the thing we underestimated in the changeover wasn't necessarily just scheme fit. It was also, I think in terms of those guys were really good at doing that thing. And 
asking an experienced player to all of a sudden, because you think he's good, to do something different and still be at that level of skill is a little bit of a of a tough ask. And we're seeing that on display, I think. Yeah, I think like, and this isn't a question that the three of us can answer. We just don't have enough information. The the, I think all the things we said are you know like the they're not hitting the big plays and they're not in a rhythm and they're not able to kind of string things together and that has a cumulative effect. It's not just you know, in football, I think a lot of times we look at plays as individual efforts and they are certainly, but at the same time, it's part of a collective, you know, flow of a game, right? Same with basketball. Like each possession is a possession, but they're not like, it's not like you're starting from scratch each possession. Um, the question is, yeah, we're all seeing these same things. Like why are they happening? Right. Is it that the scheme is too complicated and that they just aren't picking it up? Is it that the scheme is not complicated and it's like just not very sophisticated and defenses are picking it up too easily, which kind of bugs everything down. Is it a lack of trust in individuals? Is it, you know, like a lack of trust in plays. Um, is it some combination of all those things? I'm sure, you know, or is it like, and I even brought this up the other day. And again, there's no way to prove this and there's no way to quantify it. But like, I think, and this isn't like a shot at any coaches or anything, but I think, you know, if it was me taking over this UVA team, I'd be like, Hey, we need to like put everything we can into fixing this defense. It's a huge uphill battle. Like, we need to, we need to understand the challenges in front of us. You know, it's going to be a multi-year process. We're going to have to like really relearn some things and get different players to do things that weren't doing it last year. On offense, we got a pretty good team. We can probably get our offense in place, and it'll look similar to last year. Like that's what an optimist would think. And I think maybe they underestimated, like, how much of a project it would be to switch yeah. the offense that's an interesting and, concept so almost what you're saying is like they put too many resources or too much too much I mean, of what they thought would you know because a lot of times in these situations you don't want to upset the apple cart too much right you don't want to rock i think the they boat. probably were like did, saw some what i mean more is like they probably saw some things that that weren't great but they were like oh we'll figure it out because we have right. a good quarterback and good right. player like quarterback but right. like with the yeah. defense when they make mistakes it's like hey this is indicative of like poor performance because we've seen it right and on offense it's like well like we'll we'll get it right. Like and it's like maybe they didn't push hard enough to be like no, like this is wrong. Um yeah, that's interesting. But like I'll tell you like I was at practices and stuff like I saw a lot of drops and I was like okay, whatever, that's just part of practice. And it's like that's translated to the field. I know? mean, do we think all right, can we let's talk about this real quick. I I don't feel like and I don't study the film as closely as you guys do, so so help me here. But I don't feel like Brennan is anywhere near mechanically as sound. I'm not saying he was like the most mechanically sound quarterback last year. But I feel like the ball came out with a lot more pop um, and a lot more purpose, if that makes any sense. His throws the purpose just, part, I think, is accurate. They, they, just don't, they just don't look the same. And I'm, and I'm curious if part of the drops are, are fueled by the fact that like he's just not spinning it the same way. Not 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 the literal same way. I mean, the ball still spins it, but like you know, in the same fashion. You know, like I, I just don't know if it's if if like they're used to it coming in a certain way and it's just not. Um, yeah. If it was, it wasn't Saturday. Like he he looked as good Saturday. Like on the rewatch, like you, real time, you're just seeing the result. You're not watching the mechanics, right? He was more comfortable in the pocket. You know, just got his footwork right. 
threw the ball on time, threw the ball on, on location a lot more Saturday than he had all season. If anything, last night was probably better than a lot of the games last year. It's just the results weren't better. Right. Um, so that that part's encouraging. It's just, you know, there's so many little There were a bunch of drops, right? Yeah, I think yeah. Even six. KT had, even KT had one, and he never drops anything. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. his, like, even, like. I mean, Billy had one on that little, <laughs> yeah. I did re- I did watch the condensed game and it did feel like he was more comfortable back there. But ultimately that that's kind of what I was trying to say. Like I think drops were a part of it, but he ended up what like 19 for 37. 19 for 37 with five batted balls and six drops, I think was yeah, the total. So that's pretty um, bad. I mean, like yeah. his adjusted completion percentage on PFF was like 80%. Yeah, um, which is which is ridiculously high. He was like yeah. he was like ninety one percent or something grade with pressure or something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like it was that. by far his highest graded game of the year, and higher higher grades than a lot of his games last year, where he put up three or four hundred yards. You know, um, so that's just a piece of it. I mean, I think if there was, you know, we're only five games in. You know, things could change. They could. Um, you got to get to the bye week and then hope, hope so. you can figure some stuff out there where you have more practice time. Yeah, but I mean, it feels like if there was a miscalculation in this whole, and, and it's too soon to say, you know, we, we'll sit back at the end of the year or, you know, a few weeks from now and, and be able to say with a little more certainty. But I mean, I feel like if there was a miscalculation in how this transition took place, how the staff was set up, it probably wasn't the best idea to bring. And this is no slight to Des Kitchings, who could turn out to be a fine coordinator. But I just don't know if he has the resume to get the buy-in from the guys who stuck, a, you know, stayed around to kind of run it back one more time. Can I? I, I want to chime in on this because there's been a lot of question about that. I I wonder because I think at this point a lot of us are kind of thinking like, all right, how long until Tony decides to sort of take the wheel? Um, and I'm curious just if we can talk about this for a few minutes. If in this game it comes out that Tony's the one calling the plays, will that make you feel better, worse? Does it matter if it does it? Is it all dependent on how productive they are? Well, I mean, I guess we would see how it would go, but I would feel better initially just because it would show me that there's a sense of urgency and like a recognition that things aren't where things they need aren't to working, be. right? Yeah. What do you think? What yeah. about you, Dave? I think he did some at Duke, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm going to work some sources and find out. But um, if you look at the play, distribution it was different um there were play calls we hadn't seen as much now yeah i think i think if you go if you lay an egg this weekend or the you just you know you manage to win but the offense is still struggling i think by week you got to look at some changes you know even if it's just get des out of the booth maybe he needs to be on the field to talk to brennan you know little changes like that can you know they're not going to change UVA did that. Dr. Bob was in the booth. Yeah, that's right. Dr. Bob was in the booth. He he was downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, whatever you got to do, just to kind of switch it up. But I I don't know if it's a sign of changes or a concerning sign. But yeah, you also don't want somebody up there just to change it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, the distribute, the play call distribution Saturday night was a lot more Dr. Bobby than what we've seen this year. Um, well, I even tweeted that at one point. I was like, actually, yeah. you know, this feels more because they were, it's just, it's it, like the thing that I did not understand earlier in the season. And, and, and Des even mentioned this, like they did this on purpose to sort of get Brennan some looks, but like there were several plays where like the whole, the whole point was just for him to just basically draw back and chuck it as far as he could. Right now I had, 
I had a tennis coach in high school who would tell you like hit your first two serves into the net because they could always go from there. But I don't think you should do that in a college football game. Like I don't think you should just like chuck the ball down because you just want to like get loose, right? Or like get in the groove. And I'm like, how is him just launching throws down the field to nobody in particular? In fairness, they got the coverage that they wanted, and it was they were good calls. Like I mean, I understand from like a game plan standpoint, maybe you don't want to start with those, but those plays were those plays were just poorly executed. Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. I I just I I I don't like the idea that like oh we're just gonna go to the line and just let him. Yeah, know, I mean get... like that can't just be your strategy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. I don't like, like the concept. Of how much we keep hearing shot plays. Yeah. No play should be a shot play. A play. It should be a play with a shot built in. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Because if you, I think even, you know, they're calling him with him to throw the ball deep. Yeah. Well, he's gonna throw the ball deep. <laughs> Any quarterback is so. And it's just a trivial thing, but that just that simple nomenclature kind of throws me off. It makes sense. All right. Um, let's move over to Louisville. Um, man, if there was a game, <laughs> if you're trying to, if you're trying to get yourself right, um, playing a team at home, um, playing this team at home, given what's going on with Louisville right now, it, it, it would seem to be sort of like straight out of central casting. Right. Um, that's not to say that, that, you know, Virginia might not end up on the short end of this one. But no, but that Duke team has been playing well, right? Louisville not playing well, right? Um, and then there's all the the questions and about Cunningham, and you know, right? Um, you know, the questions about whether he, you know, he's going to be able to go and whatnot. Um, Dave, what's your general feeling on this game? We'll get to picks in a few minutes, but like, what's your general like thought process on this? Because it's not good, me, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> to me, this feels much more like a game frankly that Virginia like has to win than last week did now granted in part it's fueled because of what happened last week but going into your bye week playing this team at home like you I feel like this should this should be a game Virginia is able to win um and I'm curious what's what's your your general sense well I had last week as a must win you know yeah, she um, did. and That's they true. didn't they did um, not spoiler alert so it being, didn't happen I mean this I guess this becomes a real a must must win um but yeah I mean double look, must I just win. think <laughs> you know there's a lot of noise um you know fan driven media media driven whatever it might how, be how dare that media that yeah, pesky yeah, media yeah outside media um you know around the program right now and I think look just from just from a uh you know take out the whole hey the team needs to win the game get to the by 500. Um, yeah, well, they do because not only do they need it from a confidence standpoint, um, I as a board moderator can't take 10 plus days between what 11 days between games, um, of negativity. But yeah, when people start looking up how much the buyout is five games in, that's when you've reached, you've you've gone too far. (laughs) Yeah, look, the schedule doesn't get easier from this point forward. Um, and you know, I feel like every year Louisville is like a weird matchup for us. Um, yeah. I was going to joke about how this is going to be our last game with them as our rival until I remembered, Oh wait, they're still our rival. <laughs> we just picked up a third. <laughs> um, but it's just like, it's a game I never enjoy because they've always got a quarterback. You can run and make things happen. You know, Cunningham's health notwithstanding, but um, look, it, it's a game. Virginia has to win. You're at home. There's going to be tens. <laughs> Tens, tens of thousands, a few ten thousand people there um, for a noon kick, but yeah, it's it's a chance for you know Virginia's done well at home. If they can 
then you can just hold serve at home. The season won't be a terrible wash and they'll win some big games. Um, But it starts, it starts Saturday against, even if Cunningham can't go, um, you know, we, we've all seen Virginia struggle against backup quarterbacks in the past. So don't let your guard down. Um, I think it's a time for the team to kind of rally. Um, Hopefully there we'll see a lot on Saturday about what happened off the field um, between Duke and now. What about you, Ferber? What's your general sense of it? Yeah, I mean, I think Cunningham's status is pretty much, I don't want to, it's just to simplify it, it's a game changer. Um, You know, you go from having one of the toughest quarterbacks to stop just because of his ability to run and throw to a backup who might be good, but we haven't seen him play really. So, um, complete mystery. And then obviously he's going on the road for like a start, you know, it's, it's a tough situation, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, if you can win this game, despite all the bad stuff that has happened, you can say, okay, we got to the bye. That did not go great. We're, you know, we're basically like at halftime. We're three and three. We got six more opportunities to kind of get back and and do something with the season um, and show people that we're not what we've put on film through the first six games. Will they do that? I don't know. I mean, it would be easy to look at what happened on Saturday and just be like, well, they're just going to lose again and then they're going to lose again and so on and so forth. And and maybe that is what happens, but um, I kind of does feel like to me, cause, cause I feel like a lot of the issues with what's going on with this team are, you know, psychological. Um, I think like that kind of makes me a little bit more optimistic that if they do get some things to go their way, they hit a few big plays, they win a game, you know, it maybe like they can kind of turn the corner. Um, and not be great, you know, like they're not going to be the the high end version of what we thought this team might be. Um, but they can maybe be like a decent version and an improving version and one that kind of comes together. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that concerns me the most about what we've seen is just how they've started games, um, against everybody like Richmond down seven, nothing. Illinois, they got the two turnovers, got three points out of them. They were down 21-3 at half. Syracuse, 16-0. Uh, this game last weekend, 21-0. You know what I mean? Like, to me, and even ODU, like, they they came out and scored, but they couldn't pull away um, when they had chances. And it's like that kind of speaks to me to a team that is, like, not coming out with, like, that killer mindset that you have to have to, like, really take it to teams that you're equal or maybe even worse than. Um and I want to see them kind of turn that around, you know, and it's some of that is like game planning and execution and all that, but just come out with some tenacity, make something happen early, set the tone. Um, and I think that's your, your guys's biggest issue with the punt thing. And I get that is like, you're not setting the right tone. Um, I want to see them come out and do that against Louisville. Yeah. Big tone guy here. But yeah, the uh, last thing on that part, it wasn't just that it's if you were going to, um, if you're going to go to that and try to get a look and then punt it, if it's not there, you got to get to the line, like with more than eight seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. It felt like they kind of just threw it together, you know? Yeah. And you also shouldn't throw on third and three of the play before, but whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I, we'll see how it goes, but I, I think ultimately like they would be well served to, to come out and, and do something early. And you can't just like, this is kind of where I am with this team. Like, you can't just be like, we got to come out and start fast. It's like, yeah, you do. But like, how are you going to do that? Are you going to like put together a really good first drive? 
um, you know, in, in your scripted plays? Are you going to like Shot do plays. something? Are you going to get the guys properly motivated before the game to where they're like ready to go? Um, are the captains of this team going to like have some accountability and ownership for their teammates? Um, and get them like in the right headspace to go out and do the thing. And then are you going to go out and do the thing? You know what I mean? So like, it's not just like saying you want to do it, you have to go do it and you have to be prepared to do it. Um, do we think Cunningham plays yes or no? It sounds like they're a little pessimistic over there. It does. Um, doesn't it? But I don't, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. I would guess no. Um, but I- you can't you change. can't They're go in kids. like expecting him not to play. I don't know what his concussion history is. Yeah, but. you can't go in with the mindset of like I hope he doesn't play. Like if you're on the team or the coaches, and then he comes out there and you're like, oh no, because then it kind of puts you again in the wrong <laughs> headspace. Yeah, I mean, oh, if, no. if he if the doctors clear him, he's playing. I mean, Satterfield's yeah. not going to sit him for the goodness out of his heart because Satterfield could be fired on Sunday. You know, if they lose that game, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't bet money on him playing, but I wouldn't bet money he's not either. So I don't know, Brad. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, there you go. That's sometimes I don't know is an answer. I had a professor in college who would give you actual credit, give you actual credit if you said I don't know versus if you guessed and made something up. All right. Well, big shocker um, what my prediction is going to be then. <laughs> so. All right. I'll uh, say that for the preseason predictions pod next year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Dave, in the preseason, speaking of the devil, uh, you had UVA winning this thing 36-34. Um, how are you feeling? Um, sixteen, fourteen. <laughs> probably sounds more like it. Um, look, I, I, I think Virginia's going to win this game. Um, I'm kind of banking on Cunningham not playing, which would help. But either way, like I, I look for the defense to come out more focused. Um, and offensively, I, I've got faith it'll happen. I think when they go back and watch the film from Duke, they're going to see some some good and some bad and. Hopefully we'll realize they've got to run the ball more to kind of help keep it balanced. And quite frankly, it's going to come down to special teams. Um, the new special teams has been absolutely atrocious this year, and that needs to improve. I, honestly, I'm probably as worried about special teams as I am the offense figuring it out, which is not a good place to be. Despite all that, I'm going to pick Virginia to win because it's homecoming and is at Scott Stadium um, in Louisville. It has not played well. But I am going to reduce the score quite a bit. I think Vegas, I think as of about 30 minutes ago, it had dropped to a two and a half point line. Um, but it looks like it clicked back up to three. And around 50 points is the over under. I'd probably take yeah, the under. Um, so I'll go Virginia 22 to 18. All right, Ferber, in the preseason, I believe you had UVA losing this game 42 to 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Yeah, that was, it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, yeah, I think the status of Louisville's quarterback, I don't want to say it's going to determine the outcome, but it goes a long way towards it. Um, I will say for the record, though, that Louisville was not playing well against Boston College before he got hurt. Um, and not a, that wasn't his fault necessarily. Their defense was awful, like just awful. Um so maybe there's an opportunity there for UVA's offense to kind of like make some stuff happen. But again, they have to show it. Um, I think Dave is kind of in the right ballpark. If Cunningham does not play, 
Um, I think that could be a game where UVA's defense can really like make some stuff happen and Louisville maybe turns the ball over a couple times and you can set some things up and get off the field enough to, to win. I mean, there's no guarantee that their backup quarterback is going to be awful, but um, it's a tough spot, like in one week to kind of prepare for a road game, you know, with a bunch of guys you don't normally practice with and go out there and do it um, against a defense that despite some rough moments on Saturday, is is not like you know a complete liability um on offense you know you just want to see improvement and and try to find a way to get better and prove like you're playing a bad defense like bad offenses score against bad defenses usually so i mean like you have to at least be like a quote-unquote bad offense out there and and score some points against the defense that's struggling um i think i i told you guys i kind of want to do two scores so i'll just you guys can count whatever one you want I'll say uh, if Cunningham plays, Louisville does move the ball and do some stuff and it's too much and they win 28-20. And if uh, Cunningham does not play, I'll go UVA 23, Louisville 17. I didn't I don't know, man. I don't know if I don't know if I think that kid's that good to to swing the entire outcome of the game, just if he simply Malik if he's Cunningham. There. I mean, he's okay, but like I don't know. I I feel like maybe with Virginia's defense, I feel a little bit more confident with them. Um, I still can't believe Nick Jackson had ten tackles in the second half alone the other day. Anyway, yeah, right, I was like looking through that. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's funny. He was one off the um, the team lead and only played a half. Um, in the preseason, I had Virginia winning this thing, uh, forty eight to forty two. I can promise you that's not going to be that many points. Um, I, I think what Ferber just said about typically bad offenses still score against bad defenses. I think that is that is the uh, the energy I've been feeling for the last couple of days. I'm I'm struggling with like picking UVA to win it because I, I I don't think even as even as much as I've seen from Virginia's offense this year that makes me think like yeah there there there's a very real chance that they could put up some decent points uh, against this Louisville defense. Part of my problem is is that like. I, you know, I've kind of been locked in, you know, show me mode for a little while. And um, nothing about Saturday uh, in Durham would seem to indicate that I should stop doing that, you know. Um, and at the same time, like if I if I really just look at the games, I, you know, even if the Cunningham kid plays, I you know, how close to, um, you know, 100 percent is he really going to be? Um, you know, I I struggle with the idea of picking a team to go on the road given sort of what I've seen of Louisville this year. Um, so it's almost like I, I feel like I shouldn't pick anybody. Um, I am going to pick Virginia 24-20, excuse me, 24-14. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that the bad offense versus bad defense thing, I, I think I do believe in Virginia's defense. Um, and this could be, you know, you, you want to look at this as from a real, like, you know, the glass is, is not only half full, but the sun is out and I just won the lottery. Um, like that level of optimism, like this could be a real jumping off point. You, 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 you do something right. You go into the bye week you get a chance to, um, to sort of continue to fix things. You know, this could be like the movie montage portion of the season, right? Where everything went from being cruddy to, to being pretty good. But like, what are the chances that like, that's really going to hit? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the problem right now. So like, they kind of need a bunch of things to sort of go in the same direction at once. And what we've seen so far is that, Outside of the defense, not much else seems to be working for them. Um, but I, I think this one is is almost like a, a little bit of a war of attrition, and the fact that Virginia's playing at home 
Um, and the fact that, you know, Louisville's defense is pretty terrible. Uh, I'm going to take the Cavaliers and uh, hope I don't sit here next week wondering what, what, what went wrong in my head when I did that. So, um, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? All right. Good talk. I appreciate, uh, <laughs> I appreciate your, your thoughts. I think we're all set. I think we're, <laughs> we're, it's a good place to put a pin in it. Uh, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. We uh, very much appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Uh, let's see, right now, Dave's got his uh, Cheers, Fears, and Beers. I still haven't said Bears yet, so I'm doing pretty well. we got the 321, got a couple hoops recruiting stories um, from Houston uh, on a 2023 offer and a 2024 uh, as well. We've got the Game week stuff, uh, Ferber did a really good job breaking out five areas of improvement um, for the Who's, which I thought was a good read. And please do not miss that man's take two. He he did a lot more than just take two. He took them, took them all down, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so definitely give those all a look. I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find free being your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank... Dave and Ferber, and graciously, their time as always, I very much appreciate all they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon. Yeah.